the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jesus had a larger army than Caesar Augustus. Jesus had 10,000 legions of angels. He didn't call a single one of them. Why? Because he knew that in order for his kingdom to spread, it was going to have to be through peace. And so he goes and he becomes the peace offering for our sins. He, he did not cry out. He, he willingly went to the cross and he died. And there he shed his blood for one reason and one reason only. So that you could be here today and have peace in your heart with God. Good evening, I'm Kyle Welch, and welcome to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. We are here every night at this time on KKLA to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to lift up His name to the entire city of Los Angeles. No matter if you are listening tonight from your car or at home or in your place of work, we believe that tonight's sermon from Pastor Dudley will be a blessing to all our listeners. So if you can, get out your Bibles and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with tonight's message. Good morning, good morning. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We've been preaching through the Beatitudes and we come to number 7 of the 8. So we're almost through this series. Today is Matthew chapter 5 verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. At this juncture, the Beatitudes take on a seismic shift. We go from the Beatitudes to a do attitude. And I want to explain that to you. The first six that we've looked at all have to do with who you are. It has to do with what God expects you to be. It's all inside stuff. Being poor in spirit. Mourning over your sin. Being meek and hungering and thirsting for the things of God. Being merciful and pure of heart. But when you come to number seven, it changes. Number seven, blessed are the peacemakers, is something God wants you to do. It's a seismic shift. In order for you to understand this, you have to understand the historical background. If you don't understand the historical background, you will never understand this beatitude. Unless you understand that Rome was in charge of the world at the time, Caesar Augustus is the emperor, and he is known, and he is called, and it's on every coin that he's the son of the gods. That's the only son of God that Jesus' audience would have known. They would have never known or understood that Jesus himself was the Son of God. They only knew that Caesar Augustus was the Son of God. And so on that day, in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus is speaking to that audience, they're thinking there's a chance that this rabbi, he could be, they didn't know, they thought there's a chance, he could be the Messiah. And they were thinking... 
that if he is the Messiah, that there together he's going to come with a mighty army and they're going to go up against the Romans and that they will defeat the Romans and they will kick the Romans out of Israel and that they themselves will be the conquerors. That's what they're thinking. And so they're listening to Jesus and he starts talking about this new kingdom and they're thinking, this could be it. This could be the guy. And he starts talking about all this inside stuff, like you got to be poor in spirit, and you got to be meek, and you got to be pure of heart. And then he says, Would you like to be a son of God? Would you like to be a conqueror? And they're going, Yes, yes, that's what we want. And Jesus says, All right, there's one thing you have to do to become a son of God, a conqueror. What's that? And Jesus said, you got to be a peacemaker. They had to be thinking, what in the world is he talking about? We have to have an army. We have to go to war. That's what they're thinking. And Jesus is saying, no, there's not going to be an army. There's not going to be a war. We're not going to have a battle. Oh, we're going to have a kingdom, and we will rule the world. But it's not going to happen through force. It's going to happen through becoming a peacemaker. I don't think they had any clue to what he was talking about, and I don't think they would ever figure this out until after the cross, which would be three years later, all right? There's no way they understood what this meant. I want to explain to you three things. Number one, write this down. Number one, a peacemaker is someone who has made peace with their God. You can never be a peacemaker in the world until, first of all, you have peace with God. You understand that, right? You have to have first peace with God before you think about anything else. And the only people that have peace with God are people who know Jesus Christ. Because the Bible teaches that the only way that anyone can ever have peace with God is if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Romans 15, 2 Corinthians 13, and Philippians chapter 4 tells us that God is a God of peace. He's a God of peace. When He created the earth, He put two people in it, a man named Adam and a woman named Eve. And at that time, it was what he created. It was perfect, perfect paradise. There were no wars. There was no hatred. There was no fighting. It was perfect in every sense. And you know the story. He put one tree in the middle of the garden, had a fruit on, piece of fruit on there, and he told Adam and Eve, stay away from that one fruit. And at that time, Adam and Eve had to decide, are we going to obey God or are we going to do what we want to do? And they chose to disobey God. And so they ate of that fruit. And at that moment, I want you to write this down. Sin entered the world. And sin ruined everything. The first two children uh, were Cain and Abel. And what happens with those two children? Cain kills Abel. So now we have murder. And it's it's not what God intended. But from that day until this day, man has been at war with one another, and man has been at war with God. And where does all this fighting come from? Write this down. The Bible says in James it comes from within. It comes from within. I want you to take your Bibles and turn over to Mark. You're in Matthew. Go over to Mark chapter 7, verse 20. Jesus said these words. It's what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. Verse 21, for from within, out of man's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, 
theft, murder, adultery. Verse 22, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness. Man, he covers everything. Envy, slander. These are the words of Jesus. Arrogance and folly. And then he says there in verse 23, all of these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. So all the wars and all the battles and all the fighting and all the tension and all the struggle and all the deceit and all the things that we fight over, it comes from within. And only through Jesus Christ can we have peace on the inside. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, I'll put these words on the screen. For he himself, Jesus, is our peace. I'm going to make this clear. Sin separates us from God. All right? Now, when you and I sin against each other, you lie, I lie, you cheat, I cheat, I lust, you lust, we argue, uh, we curse, I fight you fight. Whenever we're sinning against one another, we're sinning against God. Not only is there a separation between you and me when we fight, I'm fighting man, but I'm really being separated from God because sin separates us from God. I want you to look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. It reads, For God was pleased to have all of His, God, all of His fullness dwell in him who's him that's jesus so how do i know that's jesus because you got to keep reading and through him jesus to reconcile to himself god all things all things will be reconciled through jesus whether things on earth that would be you or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the what he, said, he is saying that through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on that cross that you and I are reconciled to God. Verse 21. Once you were alienated. You were separated from God. You were enemies of God in your own minds because of your evil behavior. It says right there that our evil behavior is what alienates us from God. It's what separates us from God. But look at verse 22. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you as holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. So sin separates us from God. And the only way we can ever be made pure is when Jesus Christ goes to the cross and he sheds his blood and we put our faith in Jesus Christ, then God removes that sin and then we can now finally have peace in our hearts, peace with one another, and peace with God, all because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Sin is a barrier to peace And only Jesus can remove that sin so that we can have peace. I want you to see these words in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have shalom. We have peace with God, our Lord 
Jesus Christ. That's how we have peace through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you do not know Jesus here today, you you will never know peace. You can never be a peacemaker. But if you know Jesus Christ, then you can have peace and you can become a peacemaker, which leads me to point number two. A peacemaker is someone who makes peace with one another. How many of you know uh, someone they're just difficult to get along with? Raise your hand. If you, how many of you sit next to that person? No, don't raise your hand on that. <laughs> don't raise your hand on that. Here's what the Bible says in Romans 8 9. I want you to look at these words. It says, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, then he does not belong to Christ. If you're saved, God has put his Spirit inside of you, which means that wherever you go and whoever you're dealing with, I want you to write this down, you should always be reflecting Christ. You see, we get peace with God because we know Christ. And as soon as you know Christ, you have peace from within. Then you start to reflect Christ everywhere you go, which means you look like Jesus, you talk like Jesus, and you act like Jesus. I want you to write this down about the word peacemaker. It's an active word. It's an active word. It implies that you're going to initiate. Again, we're we're going from be attitudes to a do attitude. It requires intervention on your behalf. I want you to write this word down, the word risky. You got to take you got to take a risk. You got to step into this situation, try to make peace. Uh, you know, many of us think that be a peacemaker means I'm just going to sit back and avoid conflict. That's not being a peacemaker. Well, I'm afraid if I get involved, I'm just going to rock the boat and people are going to get upset and, and I don't want to cause problems. I don't I, I want to be a peacemaker, so I'm just going to sit back and I'll just let whatever happens happen. That's not being a peacemaker. A peacemaker means you have to take the initiative you're going to have to get involved in some conflict resolution you have to reach out to those who've offended you you have to reach out to those who've broken off relationships with you those who've put up walls those who cause division those who are at war with one another you could draw the conclusion that this verse is the secret to having a good marriage Mm mm-hmm because it means that you restore that broken relationship you go after the lost sheep when they go astray you help those who have fallen you reach out to those who are involved and engaged in sin you become a peacemaker i want to show you this verse galatians 6 1 and i've explained it to you before but it's so important if you're if you want to truly be a peacemaker it says brothers if someone is caught in sin You who are quote-unquote spiritual, you got your Bibles, you're taking notes, you're in church, you're the spiritual one. You who are spiritual are supposed to go to those who are in sin and restore them how? You're supposed to beat them up with your Bible? Supposed to yell at them? You know, beat them up? Get back over here? No. You restore him. What's the, what's the word? Gently. Now, here's what we normally do, and I'm just telling you how this goes down. Usually, someone offends us, and we stand over here, and here's, what, here's our attitude. Well, until they come and apologize to me, I'll have nothing to do with them. They did wrong against me. That, that's not what the Bible says. 
The Bible says if someone's caught in sin, you who are quote-unquote, see, see, you're setting yourself up like they're wrong and you're right. That means you're the spiritual one and they're the unspiritual one, right? The Bible says that the onus of responsibility is on the spiritual person. The mature, you're the mature one, right? Yeah, because they're immature, yeah. Because if they were mature, they wouldn't have done what they did against you. Right, right, right. Okay, so the Bible says it is your responsibility to go to them. If you're going to wait for them to come to you, you know what that means? That means that you're the immature one. It means you're the the unspiritual one. Because the spiritual is supposed to go to the unspiritual and restore. There's two people at war. Two sisters. You ever heard of two sisters fighting? (laughs) Happens all the time. You ever two sisters grow up in the same bathroom? Every day is a fight. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. That's, I wore that. You, you wore, yeah, I, I wore yours. You wore it. Put that back. You put it back. I grew up with two sisters. You ever heard two brothers fighting? Two brothers? Yeah. You ever heard of a husband and wife fighting? Yeah. My, my wife told me she came to church last night. You know, she, she comes Saturday night. And uh, uh, she was sitting out in the Family Life Center. She said there was a couple there she'd never seen before and had a child there, young young son. And, I was saying, you ever seen a couple fight? And the kid goes, yes! She said the lady looked totally embarrassed. But, but the thing is, there are two people, two sisters, two brothers, two employees, two teammates, two classmates, a husband, wife, whoever it is. If both people, if this man will just focus on God and he'll have peace with God and restore his relationship with God and know Jesus Christ... And if the wife will just serve Jesus Christ and honor Jesus Christ and make sure her relationship is right with Jesus Christ, guess what happens to all the tension in between them? It's not necessarily going to disappear, but you'll be able to work through all that. I really honestly believe the two most cantankerous people in this room right now, if you'll both serve God with all of your heart, the two of you can, it's not just that you're going to endure and put up with one another, you can actually have peace and harmony between one another. Only Jesus Christ can break down those walls. I I, want to say this. I I love our church, and there's many reasons why I love our church. One, I love our diversity. I love uh, our missions, outreach. I love what we do in the community. I love all the youth programs. I love the sports ministry. I love all the, the volunteers. I love the staff. But there's one thing I love about this church, and that is the peace that exists in here. There's peace in here. And I know, I know that some of you come, you came to church today and your home is in disarray. Some of you, your, your whole house is just like a war zone. And at work, it's a war zone. And the school's like a war zone. But I hope and pray that when you walk through these doors today, you feel and sense the spirit of Christ, the love of Christ, and the peace of Christ. The hallmark of the church is not the baptistry. The hallmark of the church is not communion. The hallmark of the church is love. And I believe that love is in this room here today. Number three, write this down. Being a peacemaker is someone who leads others. You lead others to make peace with God. These are the people who share Christ. And the reason you share Christ is because you know that he's the only person who can change and transform someone's life. You know that only God can bring peace, and once you experience that peace, you look around and you see someone else's life who's all messed up, and you have to tell them. You just can't help yourself. You've got to share Christ because Christ changed your life, and you want to let them know that Christ can change their life as well. 
I read to you these words in Isaiah 52, verse 7, as we prepare to close. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim what? Peace, who bring good tidings and proclaim salvation. The Bible teaches us that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, that once you have been reconciled to God, that God actually gives you something. He gives you a task. He gives you the ministry of reconciliation. These are people who know Christ. The peacemakers are people who know Christ, who reflect Christ, and who share Christ. When Jesus was on this earth, he was constantly reaching out to others. He was the ultimate peacemaker. He took 12 ornery disciples and turned them into a band of brothers. He spent time with sinners, people that usually we would disassociate ourselves from. He reached across uh, cultural barriers. He reached out to Samaritans and Jews and Gentiles. He invited women into his inner circle where normally he had no place. He had no place. Usually in that day there was no place for women in public ministry. You see him engaged with a woman who had been bleeding. She reached out and touched the hem of his garment. He reached out to a tax collector. He was sitting up in a tree named Zacchaeus. And he said, Zacchaeus, come down. And Jesus basically invited himself over to the guy's house for dinner. I've I've used that trick many times. Uh, He reached out to a, a sinful Samaritan who was drawing water at a well. He stopped to help a widow who was on the way to the cemetery to bury her only son. He ministered to a blind man on the side of the road. There were some children who were being pushed away. He welcomed them. He was always reaching out to others. And then eventually he goes to the cross and there he dies. And why does he die on that cross? Why does he shed his blood willingly? Caesar Augustus had an army, a huge army. You, You wouldn't have crucified him. He would have called his whole army to defend him. Jesus had a larger army than Caesar Augustus. Jesus had 10,000 legions of angels. He didn't call a single one of them. Why? Because he knew that in order for his kingdom to spread, it was going to have to be through peace. And so he goes and he becomes the peace offering for our sins. He, he did not cry out. He, he willingly went to the cross and he died. And there he shed his blood for one reason and one reason only. So that you could be here today and have peace in your heart with God. moved by Pastor Dudley's message tonight. We want you to know we have phone counselors standing by and ready to pray with you right now. Our number is simple to dial. It's 888-818-4777. Again, that number is 888-818-4777. We are ready for any prayer requests or needs you may have. Ephesians 6 reminds us of the many gifts we have been given by God. And prayer is one of the greatest assets we have as Christians to fend off any attack by the enemy. So please don't hesitate to call us if you are alone and need to pray with someone right now. The secret to overcoming any obstacle you are facing today is revealed through one of the most extraordinary victories ever recorded in the Bible, the Battle of Jericho. Joshua and the Israelites followed God's unusual plan to walk around the heavily fortified walls of Jericho for seven days. The Lord promised that at the end of those seven days, He would cause the walls of that famed city to fall, allowing His people to take possession of the promised land. 
in his book, Walls Fall Down. Pastor Dudley Rutherford shows us how the seven spiritual principles in this story are available for all of us today. You will learn how the foundation behind Joshua's victory is the key to overcoming your own hurdles and unsolvable issues. When you choose to do things God's way, walls crumble, victory replaces defeat, and a blessed future unfolds. Pastor Dudley's book, Walls Fall Down, is available for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This invaluable resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order this book directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Discover how your personal Jericho battle is no match for the power of an awesome God. Call us right now and receive your copy of Walls Fall Down by Pastor Dudley Rutherford today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at the same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.